Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, today is the 10th of May. I'm here with brothers Makaru and Amos. This is Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Adrian Swilly. We will start out with the events in Glenn County, Brunswick, Georgia. When I was a football coach in Jacksonville, we would compete against those teams. I'm fairly familiar with the area. Brunswick, referred to as the Golden Isle. Yes, our ancestors were forcibly taken from Golden Coast to work as slaves in an area that's also referred to as the Golden Isle in close proximity to St. Simon's Island, Georgia. And if you just simply look toward the Atlantic from St. Simon's Island or the coast of Brunswick, Georgia, you will see the largest graveyard. So we're still dealing with a pandemic of police violence, redneck violence, neo-Nazi vigilantes, hate killing black people, it doesn't matter who you are, PhD, Bucks player, Sterling Brown, harassed. But then, you know, sadly, there's always the presumption, even on the part of our people, that we are engaged in some type of nefarious activities. And I heard that when I first moved to as it relates to the uh, Wendy Gill Thompson case, uh, somewhere in the back of our minds, generally, when the evidence is not um, clear entirely, there's a perception on that part that we are involved in nefarious kinds of activities. Um, the NFL, of course, is on the cusp of experiencing another year. They will play. And... Uh, you know, the perception on the part of the president of the United States and the message that he has been sending, which has me in a state of melancholy, is that I can make your economic elite bow down and I can call their mothers the B word and you should be thankful for the equality <laughs> that I'm giving you. Happy Mother's Day. And the question becomes again, Arthur Unknown is how do you teach a child in a world where he is despised to not despise himself? Gentlemen, take it wherever you want to take it. Um, I can hear and see my mother shaking her head in the midst of my father's silence and disgust. On this Mother's Day, she would always say, when will the yoke of the oppressor be taken off our necks? They both had this saying as it relates to our sojourn on these decrepit shores. Why did the heavens not darken? This is the African Liberation Media here with brothers Amos, technical expert, world traveler, historian, extraordinaire, Brother Macaroo. Gentlemen, take it wherever you want to take it. I have the best seat in the house. Well, we want to start, obviously, with wishing all of the mothers out there, our listeners, mothers of African descent, a happy Mother's Day. We know that the African woman is the mother of all of humanity. And we know that African women are also the mothers of civilization. So it's always a great uh, day when we can honor our mothers, but that, that should be every day for, for all of us. Yeah, we started following uh, this situation that happened down in Brunswick, uh, Georgia, down on the Atlantic coast, as Gullah Jack has 
has said, we started uh, following this. Uh, we got, got in the game late. I, I'm not sure if we heard anything about it before. I haven't been able to go through all of our files, all of our Facebook posts to see if we posted anything before. Uh, this brother, 25-year-old Ahmaud Arbery, was jogging through a predominantly white neighborhood, which according to his family, he was an avid uh, runner. He jogged uh, almost every day. He had been a prolific athlete in high school. Uh, don't know what happened after that to prevent him from going, going on to play division one football, which he should have been qualified to do based on being chosen to participate in the all-star game between Georgia and uh, Florida high school football players. But he was jogging through a neighborhood. He was stalked by two white men, a 64-year-old former police officer and his 34-year-old son who uh, called the police and said that he was a suspect in a number of robberies that had taken place in their neighborhood. Recent data shows that they, they've only had one incident in the neighborhood since January 1st. And that was when somebody uh, removed a gun from a truck that was parked in the yard of the son, the, the, the younger of the McMichaels who killed uh, brother Aubrey. Uh, they, they followed this brother as he was on his run they were joined by a friend of theirs by the name of William Bryan. He's the one who filmed the video, uh, the, the, the snippet of video that we saw that uh, cre created quite a bit of outrage. And he was subsequently gunned down. Uh, the, the, they went in the home to pick up guns. Uh, one uh, 357 Magnum, I think, and the other a shotgun. And Brother Aubrey was shot twice. Three shots were fired. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, I haven't seen the autopsy, but they said he was shot twice with a shotgun. Um, so a shot with a gun. I'm not. Let me let me say that because we haven't seen the autopsy. And the police initially lied to the family. They told. Uh, Brother Aubrey's mother, that he was killed during a burglary, a break-in. And this was astounding, obviously, to the family. It didn't make any sense to them at all. They, know, they, they knew that he had gone out on a run. And who tries to break in a house while they are out running uh, two or three miles from home? <laughs> what, what, you know, it... it it, it didn't make any sense to them. They didn't know exactly what happened to him until uh, six days later, February 29th, which I think was the date of his funeral. They found out from a news report that he had been killed in the street. So, you know, once again, you know, we talk about law enforcement, the law enforcement system being a minefield of white supremacy. And you have to navigate your way through this minefield without, you know, stepping on one of these mines or one of these, you know, spikes that causes a mine to explode in order to get any, any degree of justice at all. So the first thing is the police lied. So once the police lied, the, the family started uh, uh, trying to find out exactly what happened. The district attorney in the county there, Glenn County, Jackie Johnson, recused herself because uh, she had worked very closely with the, uh, the father of the McMichaels, uh, man who was a, a former cop and a former investigator. And apparently McMichaels had been involved in a case involving uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, I think when he was 19 years old. So I don't doubt for one minute that when he, that when they saw Ahmaud jogging through the neighborhood, 
that the elder McMichaels knew exactly who he was. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So the family started, you know, trying to, to get answers. The case was transferred to the district attorney in Ware County, who, uh, based on the information that he's published, uh, was obviously a very prejudiced uh, uh, white supremacist district attorney uh, or prosecutor. Uh, this is uh, one, of, one of the things that this case highlights is something that Michelle Alexander pointed out in the New Jim Crow. The prosecutors hold the power in the United States law enforcement or criminal justice system because they make all the decisions about who to charge, what to charge them with, et cetera, et cetera. They actually hold the power. And uh, as Michelle Alexander says, they're responsible really for uh, as much as anybody for mass racial incarceration that we have here in the United States. So the Aubrey family being very, very diligent, steadfast and determined to find justice, uh, bring justice to uh, what happened to uh, their you know, 25 year old son, found out that the, the district attorney in Ware County, uh, a, a man named Barnhill, had a son that worked in the uh, district attorney's office in Glenn County. So they asked him to remove himself from the case because if the Glenn County DA said that she had a conflict of interest, then obviously if this man's son worked in the same office, he also had a conflict of interest. He removed himself from the case, but not before he released quite a bit of uh, damaging information, including upon seeing a video of uh, the incident that was taken by William Bryan, who was an accomplice of the McMichaels, uh, the son and the father, who are now charged with a murder and aggravated assault. He looked at the video and decided that Brother Aubrey was the instigator, that he was the one who initiated the conflict. This is, uh, I mean, I don't know how much more raw, uh, raw example of white supremacy you could find than that. Now I'm assuming that there, there's a lot more video that has not been released to the public. And one thing that was released today, as a matter of fact, or yesterday showed uh, Brother Aubrey uh, looking inside of a home that was under construction. Uh, you know, we can come back to that later because that, to me, that's totally irrelevant to to what happened, um, but so the pressure from the Aubrey family and the family and the family supporters, uh, including some white people in uh, Glen County, really forced this uh, second attorney, second DA to recuse himself. And then it was passed to the Liberty County DA. And upon re reviewing the case, he said he thought that there was grounds to ask for an indictment uh, by a grand jury. But he also brought the Georgia Bureau of Investigation into the case. They reviewed the case for two days. And as, as uh, protests were mounting, not only in uh, Brunswick, Georgia, but also in uh, other parts of, of the country, Jacksonville, other places. And as the story was being picked up, it was first picked up by the New York Times on April 26, and then CNN and other outlets picked it up. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation uh, immediately, within two days, charged these killers with uh, murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault. So that's that. That's where the that's where the case is right now. I don't I don't know uh, why William Bryan hasn't been charged because he was also part of the chase. And at one point, according to a police report, he blocked Brother Aubrey, uh, attempted to, upon being uh, stalked by these people, attempted to turn around and exit the neighborhood. And uh, this, uh, this uh, Brian guy blocked him in. Uh, so he, he's definitely an accomplice and he should be charged with something. I think the state should not make the same mistake that the uh, the attorney general in Florida made 
when she did not charge George Zimmerman with felony stalking. Because when you have a case like this that uh, could be difficult to get a conviction on, you have to th really try to throw as much at the at the offenders as possible. And this was this was clearly a case of stalking, just like George Zimmerman was stalking uh, Trayvon Martin. So, yeah, I, I think we'll put a put a post up recommending. You know, why not? You know, why why this this definitely should be added in my opinion uh, to the charges. Now, all of that being said, we have seen people like Zimmerman charged, and we have seen them exonerated by by juries. Glenn County is 63% white. Uh, don't know how many people you might have out there with the attitudes of Thaddeus Stevens or someone like that, but the odds of navigating this, uh, if you don't have, I mean, it's, it's, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be very difficult, I think, still to get a conviction because unless, uh, unless they can get their hands on the entire video. And, and I'm just assuming that William Bryan filmed the whole thing. And what happened was, as the pressure was mounting, they had a lawyer, the McMichaels and uh, uh, Bryan apparently talked to a lawyer and a lawyer released that snippet of video that we see. And the reason why they released that snippet of video is because they believe that the public would see that video at the very end, you see Brother Aubrey cut across in front of the truck where uh, the younger McMichaels was standing with a shotgun. And they believe that the public would see that as Brother Aubrey initiating the conflict, even though these, these people had been stalking him for, I don't know over what period of time, but over, obviously over several minutes. And that's what they were hoping. But when people saw the video, it backfired. Uh, uh, the very next day, people actually carried a protest into the very neighborhood. They were standing in front of the home of where uh, the younger McMichaels lived protesting in the neighborhood. And even the, the sheriff from Glenn County uh, joined, joined that uh, particular uh, March, I don't know why, but he was part of it. But anyway, this is where this is where the where the case is. But to get a conviction is going to require even more pressure than uh, than has already been bought. But the credit has to go, I think, to this family for just remaining steadfast, just continuing to push this. I think I first heard about it when they they uh, put a uh, a poll out, a uh, a petition, um, maybe on change.org or somewhere, and they launched a Facebook page back at the beginning of April, and now they have like uh, you know I don't I can't remember how many thousands of people that had, that have you know joined onto the Facebook page over sixty thousand I think uh, uh, it, it's really been it's been it, it's been it's taken off. And, uh, you know, when you get these clear cut examples like this, a lot of times you will get a lot of support, you know, from, from different areas. Um, but the family and the, and the immediate supporters of the family deserve the credit for getting it to this point. But as that old uh, Charles Bronson movie said, we got miles to go before we sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, Shay. Yeah, the... Um... Yeah, the uh, DA, original DA in this case, uh, Jackie Johnson, was friends with Gregory McMichael, who was the former police officer. And she did what a lot of people out there would probably do too. If one of their friends committed a crime, they probably would do everything in their power not to charge them. At the time that the shooting happened, um, back in February, police in Georgia wanted to make the arrest of Gregory and Travis McMichael, but Jackie Johnson told him not to arrest them. 
Then she goes on to recuse herself. Now, I don't know if how the process works when one DA recuses himself from a case. I don't know if they can make a recommendation for the next DA that it goes to or if the state appoints the next DA. I think the state does. Okay, so then that's when it went to Barnhill. And then, um, as you stated, he saw the video and decided that they shouldn't press any charges. This is what we have to look at in, in, in this case. Let's say that the brother actually did go inside of a house and he broke into the house, broke into the house and he stole something from the house. That still does not warrant anybody on the street to be able to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner of that person. In this country, we have laws that allow people uh, a court process to be able to go to court if they've committed a crime and they are innocent, presumed innocent until they are proven guilty. Now, the reason why that's important is because when situations like this happen, the white media who is against the brother will in turn try to paint the brother as a criminal or bring out past uh, criminal acts or charges so that they can then lower his life value to the rest of the public and make the killing justifiable which then removes any emotion that anybody has, any emotional attachment that they have to the case. They do this every time, which is why they brought up his gun possession back in when he was 18 or 19, and they brought up his shoplifting from 2018. So even the videos that they released that showed him walking into the house that was under construction, um, while he was running in the neighborhood still does not justify them killing him. Uh, the second thing is this whole stand your ground law. Now we understand what happened with George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. And one of the things about this stand your ground law that I think really needs to be reevaluated is if somebody pursues another person, I would think that that person is the aggressor from the beginning. Now, if you are a mod and you are running or walking or doing whatever you're doing, and somebody pursues you with a weapon in their hand, to me, that's an act of aggression. And only a person that is sane would defend themselves. They're either going to retreat or they're going to defend themselves so by him trying to defend himself or fight them off was not a sign of him being the aggressor that was a sign of him reacting to the threat of force that they presented to the scene and when we look at the citizens arrest law this is the law that the attorneys of Gregory and Travis are going to try to use to get them off because in georgia there's a law that states that once you see somebody committing a crime then you can pursue that person and and actually perform a citizen's arrest so in this situation when they saw him going into that house and they called 911 and they made the call to the dispatcher was talking to them on the line they said i, I just saw him coming out of a house yeah, even though we know that a lot of people walk inside of houses that are under new construction just to see what the house looks like. It is, in a court of law, technically a trespassing crime. So their lawyers could use that and that could fall under to under the reason for them being able to pursue this brother. But at the same time, when they are pursuing him and they jump out of the truck armed with a shotgun and a 357 Magnum, 
to me, that is out of bounds of what you would consider a citizen's arrest. And you cannot pursue somebody with those type of weapons and not expect for the person that you're pursuing to attack you because they feel as though they're under attack. So my personal opinion, I think that it's a high possibility that at least one of them is going to get off. Gregory McMichael is probably going to get off or he's probably going to get at most probation. On the other hand, uh, Travis, the guy who pulled the trigger of the shotgun, I think that he'll more than likely get convicted. Now, how much time he'll serve? I don't know. The other guy, uh, William Ryan, uh, I I think that's his name. He, William Bryan, excuse me, he probably won't even be charged. So, I mean, we'll have to continue to monitor to see how it goes. But, I mean, as you stated, if it's a 73% county of white people, when they get inside of that courtroom, then we're going to see that more than likely their thought process is going to align with a former white police officer and his white son. You know, one thing I think that, and one thing I think that we, that we have to understand is how, how white supremacy impacts, you know, the thinking of a lot of people in this country there were people on a jury in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, or North Charleston, who, who saw a, a video of Walter Scott running away from a police officer. The police officer, Michael Slager, said that even though Scott was running away from him, he still feared for his life. And he shot and killed Walter Scott. There were people on a jury who agreed that a black man running away from an armed police officer posed a threat to the life of the police officer, that he still posed a threat. And that's why the first trial uh, wound up uh, the way it did. And had not the the federal the federal government actually stepped in first, uh, I think it started with the Obama administration, and then the Trump administration amazingly continued to pursue it and threaten him with uh, the death penalty if he didn't if he didn't uh, uh, you know plead guilty uh, you know in a plea deal. So I think that depending on depending on how this case is prosecuted it it will the case will be uh tried in in glenn county okay it will be tried there uh i assume that the that the uh, liberty county uh, da tom durden will will attempt to prosecute the case so getting a conviction i think you know, I say it right right now. I'd say at best it's 50 50. It, 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 it may not even be that good because just the odds of somebody on that jury seeing the video, if they don't have other video, or if they can't say flip William Bryan in the testifying against the Mac Michaels, saying that. The pursuit, you know, had been taking place for X number of, of, of minutes. If they if they have video of that, and rumors are that they that there is additional video, um, because you know I, you know, when I first saw the video, I said, "There's got to be more video than this than this just snippet." They just released the part that they thought would be beneficial to them. Uh, if a jury 
if a jury sees the entire pursuit and you know see them you know making threatening gestures and then seeing Ahmad turn around and try to go back the other way the man is is unarmed he's carrying no items if he was guilty of trespassing uh you know that would be a matter for uh the courts uh to decide for the police to decide to arrest him and uh, it would have been if, if they really thought this guy was someone that uh, was actually guilty of, of crimes, and, it, and as it turns out, they lied, claiming they had been several break-ins, that, and when they had only they had been any break-ins, only one, except you know, in fact, they didn't even break into a, uh, the the truck where the gun was stolen. The truck was left unlocked, uh, and whoever did that, I mean, who knows? But you know, I, I still, I, I, I still think it's a. As my dad used to say when he'd be working in his garden, he'd say that, he, he'd say sometimes about the ground. He said that's a tough row to hold, and he's talking about how difficult the ground was as he was trying to plant his uh, greens or his tomatoes or whatever. I, I still think it's a, I think it's a, a, a long, difficult road that has to be traveled to wind up with a conviction, yet. And then you have to to wonder um, if the Trump administration would would also file civil rights charges. They're, Georgia has no hate crime law, so they can't be charged with a hate crime. But the federal government could charge them with violating its civil rights and tack that on to the uh, if you know if there was a conviction or if there isn't a conviction. Uh, of course, Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch refused to file uh, civil rights charges against uh, George Zimmerman and um, uh, what was the guy named to kill Michael Brown Jr. Timothy Loman that killed Tamir Rice. They didn't file any any civil rights charges against any of them because you have to prove intent. But when you have two people who go inside a home, get guns, get in a truck, and pursue somebody. That seems to be grounds for intent, you know. Would the Trump Justice Department do that? I mean, I don't know. If he's in a desperate situation and needs some votes, he might, or he might feel think that it's going to lose votes. Who knows? Yeah, he probably uh, so would. Uh, he probably would think that they would lose. Go ahead. Yeah, he probably he would think might, that they would know. lose votes for him. But yeah. So my question is: these these district attorneys who perform this way like a Jackie Johnson what is the repercussion for for them because she's not only been questionable in this case but there's another case of a guy named Dennis Perry who's been serving 20 years over 20 years in prison and uh, the Georgia Innocence Project says that they have DNA evidence that proves that he's not guilty and it's been over a month and she pretty much refuses to push to get him out of prison. And he's white. Hmm. So wow. she seems like she's just a, a very uh, slack, irresponsible district attorney. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that the a, a county commissioner, you know, speaking on behalf of the police, said that some people, he, they didn't say that she did it, but some people in our office and with, with uh, Bond Hill's son working in the office, I mean, you can understand this, said that uh, they told the police not to issue any arrest warrants. The police said that, that uh, that's what the police said. She said that it's, the, it's up to the police whether they want to issue arrest warrants. But here's, here's the thing that's crystal clear. She could have called in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation from the very beginning, just like uh, the current uh, DA that has the case, Tom Durden, did. He didn't waste any time calling in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Uh, so the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the, the incident happened on February 23rd. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation could have been called any time after that. And none of the DAs decided to do that until... 
uh, this week, this past week. So, yeah, I mean, th this is what this is what we're dealing with in this system. That's why I said that's why I said that the that the law enforcement system in the United States, you know, is a minefield of white supremacy, and you have to try to ne to navigate without stepping on a mine that's going to uh, blow up your entire uh, possibility of getting any justice. So it's a it's a very it's a very difficult situation uh, that, that that we find ourselves in in this country. And it all goes back to the fact that we don't have any type of institutional power that can make people suffer one way or another when things like this happen. We have the capacity, but we haven't organized ourselves to be able to bring the bear that if you don't, if you don't bring justice in this case, then this, then these are the consequences. So okay. that's where we are with, with that particular case. I got an, another situation that came up right right here uh, in North Carolina uh, this past week in uh, Pender County, which is uh, down on the coast. Uh, I'll just read what we wrote about this particular case. Black Pender County family terrorized by white vigilantes led by a sheriff's deputy. They came during the night like Big Milam and Roy Bryant looking for Emmett Till or the red shirts who terrorized Wilmington's black community in 1898. The vigilantes led by uniformed and armed sheriff's deputy J.T. Kidner demanded information about a young missing girl. The group was apparently looking for an individual named Josiah who formerly lived next door to Monica Shepard and her son Damien, a high school senior. He actually attends Laney High School is that Jordan's high school? Uh, yes. Remember? Okay. Kid uh, attends Laney High School, uh, getting ready to graduate from Laney High School. Damien identified himself by name several times, but the group continued to press for information that he did not have. Among the people on Shepherd's porch demanding answers was a person carrying a, an assault rifle and another person with a shotgun. The group continued to question the Shepherds, demanding to come inside. The deputy also blocked Shepard from closing the door. The guy actually stuck his foot in the door. He just said, I'm going to step inside, close the door and talk to you guys. And I said, this is his mother speaking. No, you're not. He's, he had his foot in the threshold of my door, holding the door open. And he said again, he said, I'm going to step inside and close the door and I'll talk to you. When, and I said, no, you're not. Uh, Monica Shepard explained. So, uh, as Dr. John Henry Clark said, all history is a current event. It's 1877, 1898, 1919, 1955, all over again. These people think that they, uh, they uh, are emboldened to form vigilantes and carry out justice. I mean, what if, what, let's, let's say, what would have happened, say, if they, had, if they had gone to the house? Now, it, it so happened, the young man who they supposedly were looking for and relationship to this young uh, girl who's missing uh, had lived next door uh, to the Shepherd uh, family. Let's say they had gone, gone next door and found him. What, what would have happened? I mean, you know, would they thrown him in the Cape Fear River? <laughs> Just like uh, Milam and Bryant did uh, Emmett Till, throwing him in the Tallahatchie River? I mean, I mean, th this is where we are. I mean, this is absolutely, this is absolutely where we are uh, the shepherds had every right with that sheriff's deputy trying to break into their home. They had every, every right to blow his brains out. Every right. I mean, uh, obviously they would have had to have, you know, an arsenal to fight off the rest of them. But, uh, you know, just like the Panthers did at, uh, 41st and central, once they opened fire on the first police that came in, the rest of them turned around and run. So, I mean, but but this is where we are. And one of the things that I say is this. Everybody needs to have pre-planned scenarios already worked out in their minds about what they are going to do. Because in my opinion, given the uh, situation that we're in now, which I think will actually eventually get worse than the post-reconstruction period, 
The question is not if, but when you will be confronted. Will it be while you are in a store shopping for groceries? Will it be when you're walking through a parking lot? Will it be when you are just out taking a walk or riding down the street or anywhere? Because this this is the situation that uh, that we find ourselves in right now. And you know, and I, and I actually predicted this in a blog post. Uh, after Trump was elected. Now let's understand that this, that 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 that, that Trump didn't start this, but he certainly exacerbated it. Yeah. Right. He definitely exacerbated it. I mean, we have the Dylan Roof killed the Charleston Nine, you know, during the uh, reign of Barack Obama. So I mean, this, uh, you know, this uh, this white racial violence, all is always running through the veins of the white American body politic. And it, there are times when it just erupts, it blisters and explodes, you know, like a, like a sore. And, and you have things like happened during the reconstruction period, the, the racial viol violence in um, Memphis, Tennessee in 1866, Colfax, Louisiana in 1876, Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898, well, Rosewood, Florida, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Red Summer of 1919, the list goes on and on and on and on. These things just, they, it's, it's, it's in the DNA. And so it just erupts. Certain, certain, certain uh, things happen. Uh, Chris Hedges would say, you know, you have this uh, white people never expecting to undergo, to, to lose their middle-class standards and their jobs when uh, the capitalist class decided to move uh, manufacturing jobs, textile jobs to Mexico and uh, China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, places like that. And so they are, they are in an uproar, but they will not attack the Wall Street capitalists. They are always going to look for, as Dr. King said, incessant, they, they're always on an incessant search for scapegoats. And we are always the scapegoat, even though we are the most powerless people in the country next to the indigenous people. Agree totally, brother. Uh, some author said years ago, Western civilization is in decline, headed toward a ruinous end. The question is, how costly is the funeral? Yeah, somebody else said Western civilization would be a great idea <laughs> if it yeah, ever came absolutely. about. Yes, absolutely. Civilization not existing anywhere in the known universe. Uh, suffice it to say, dehumanization precedes murder. And it was our great brother Wilson, Amos Wilson, I continuously go back to him because he's so relevant, made the statement that he could definitely connect the decline of the price of cotton with the escalation of lynchings. So, right. Let me ask you uh, brothers this, because this is, you know, we faced this situation before many times. Was there anything that Ahmad could have done to, to prepare himself for this type of situation that took place? Run the opposite direction. Well, he did. He tried to do that. Uh, the uh, I, I think I think that you know if you if you, if you if you're not going jogging go jogging with a, a concealed carry permit. Uh, the what what could he have done? Well, you should always be aware of the terrain where you are. Now, if he he ran through this community many times. Uh, you have to be thinking, okay, what are, what are my potential escape routes? I mean, you don't want to run, you know, and get, you know, trapped by a fence. You know, somebody's got pit bulls in the backyard or whatever. Uh, but but you but you need but but you should always be aware of the terrain. You know, where where do I have a potential escape route if I don't have the means to protect myself? Other thing is like, uh, and we don't we don't want to criticize the deceased, but. It, it would have been beneficial if, if uh, Trayvon Martin had dialed 911 and been on the phone talking to the police rather than talking to the young lady he was talking to. But you have to be trained to think like this. Uh, 
when it first occurred, if uh, Brother Aubrey had a cell phone, he could have called the police and said, I'm being followed by these white people. I haven't done anything. I'm just out jogging. I'm on Santilla Drive. This is this is who they, they, they're driving this type of truck and whatnot. I, you know, I, I need a police escort because I fear for my life. I, you know, they're threatening to kill me. You know, that, you know, that, that type of thing. Uh, uh, he possibly, he possibly could have just stopped and put his hands up, but we've seen people with their hands up get shot. Um, but, you know, you have to, my first instinct, if I'm not concealed carry would be, uh, okay, wh wh where's my escape route? What yard can I get through this here? That way, you know, uh, you know, I got to I got to think that, you know, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I'm in great shape. I can run, you know, I can, you know, get through some woods or, you know, don't know the outlet of the community. If, if it's a cul-de-sac neighborhood, one way in, one way out. But even at the end of cul-de-sac neighborhoods, there are usually some woods or something you can run through. Um, but the main thing is, the main thing is to be thinking, to, to have these things already worked out in your mind. If this happens, then what? If this, then what? Okay. Uh, just like, uh, you know, I was, a sister was saying that she was in a grocery store and there were four white people crowding her. And even though the store had the six foot distance marked off, they were crowding her. And she simply asked them, she said, can, can y'all just back up? And they started going off on her. Now, you know, it was four, it was four of them and one of her. Mm -hmm. And, but she had, she had, she thought critically about it. She said, all right, I'm not, I'm not engaging these people. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not falling into their orbit of ignorance because that's one of the things they want us to do. See, they want to play on our emotions. And, you know, a lot of times the first thing people start doing, we start cursing and all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, that, that may scare some people away, maybe, or, it, you know, it, it, it may draw some attention. You know, she could have started screaming, saying, look, these people are crowding me and they're threatening me. I need, I need, I need security. Come over here to help me and whatnot. But, you know, she handled the situation by just, by, by, by just being cool about it. I don't know if, I think she may have just gotten out of that line and gotten in another one or whatever to get, to get away from them. But, the main thing is to have, if I'm walking through a parking lot and one of these guys rolls up on me, what do I do? What do I do? I mean, you know, I, you know, if you're not going to see, are, are, are they close enough that, that, that you can land maybe a sunny listen left or something and, and knock them out with one punch or whatever, or maybe a Jim Kelly kick. Right. I mean, he tried to land, he tried to land the left, you know, I, I I give him credit. Yeah. You know, he didn't just yeah, he stand was, there. And, he was already and he shot. was already shot at that time. He'd already been shot once, I think. But I think if people definitely, 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 if you can, get your concealed weapon. Get your concealed weapon. Carry carry it on you at all times. At all times. Unless you're on the premises where it's not legally allowed. But wherever you can legally carry your weapon carry on you at all times if you are not able to get a weapon because of the law then carry a knife on you but and carry go, and going forward definitely uh monitor where you jog monitor where you jog monitor where For you sure. jog because we we know that the the, the, the white man in this situation we're in the wrong for killing this brother. However, we also know what country we're living in and we know the people that we're living in this country with. And we also have to take our own responsibility as well to keep ourselves as prepared as we can possibly be and know our surroundings and know what really can lead to or could potentially lead to a situation that can happen like this and when you're in that situation then it's best it's best to be prepared for the situation if these guys roll up on Ahmad with their guns out and he pulls a gun and shoots then he could say I stood my ground 
because I exactly. felt like my lo- my life was threatened. Exactly. So I used deadly force. Exactly. So exactly, exactly. Let me let me read this other story. Uh, but I know you want to say something about uh, about what's happening in Tanzania, uh, almost. But let me just read this one other story real quick because this is an example of how how the law works. Um, on May second, a news report from Fayette County, Georgia. This is a county near uh, Atlanta. Says former NBA player Shannon Brown was charged with aggravated assault for shooting at people he thought were home invaders. Brown allegedly fired shots at people who entered his his for sale home through an open door. They had no appointment with a realtor. Brown says he thought that people were intruders. The incident per the per the couple who were allegedly shot at happened around 6 p.m., but they did not call the police until 9:45 p.m. Unlike the Brunswick uh, killers of Ahmad Aubrey Brown was promptly arrested on May the 2nd and charged with aggravated assault. The couple said they had exited the home when Brown fired five or six shot, shots at them. And uh, I was, it was kind of amazing to me that there was a dearth of national coverage on this. I had to check several sources to see if actually it was, uh, was legit. I even uh, asked uh, Ethan, uh, brother Ethan Thomas, who's very conscious of uh, former NBA player, Syracuse, uh, grad, if this really happened, uh, if it was the Shannon Brown that formerly played with the Lakers and some other other teams, uh, they, there was a Shannon Brown arrested in Fayetteville, Fayette County. I did check the uh, the arrest record, and he, the guy that was arrested was like 6'3", 220 or whatever. It still could be a coincidence, but let's say it's not even the Shannon Brown that played in the NBA. This guy was in his home. He had left the door open. These people claimed that they were looking to buy houses. So they just walked right in the house. No appointment, no nothing. Now, they claim they knocked on the door. They claim that they announced it, that their presence, whatever. But they walked into the home. They walked into the home. Now, whether he fired shots at them inside the home or outside, he thought he thought that these people were home invaders. Mm. But he has been arrested and charged and it took place immediately. Now, this is not walking into a home that was under construction. Uh, this is apparently a home that he lived in. Uh, he was married to some singer. I can't remember. I, I, I can't keep up with these celebrities' names. Uh, she was a very popular singer or actress or something or another. And apparently they had a home home down. I think she might have been on the Real Housewives or one of them Real Housewives from some one of them things. But um, so he was in his home. Not like Aubrey. If Aubrey was trespassing, he's he walks into a place that was under construction. What 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 can he pick up? A two by four? I mean, you know, some nails. I mean. They walked, they walked into the home. He fired shots because he thought that they were they were intruders. And now he's been arrested and charged. So, you know, we'll keep our we'll keep our eye on this particular case. But once again, you know, here, here you have uh, one an incident in one part of Georgia, a man is killed, and they go 75 days before somebody's arrested. And this brother in his own home, when somebody walked in, is arrested the same day. Uh, go ahead, uh, almost. All right. So in Tanzania, we have more positive information coming out of this country. It seems like we always have a lot of positive things coming out of the country of Tanzania. There, where the president, Job Magufuli, was reported by Al Jazeera that Tanzania uh, suspended its COVID, its head or lead COVID nineteen testing. Uh, laboratory. Uh, it says that it's suspending the health laboratory in charge of coronavirus testing a day after President Magafuli questioned the accuracy of the test results. So Magafuli, who has consistently downplayed the effect of the virus in the country, said on Sunday that he has secretly that he secretly had uh, sent in animals, fruits, and vehicle oil to be tested in the laboratory. Uh, papaya, a quail and a goat had been found to be positive. 
to go to the president. Um, He cast doubt on the credibility of the laboratory equipment and the technicians and questioned the official data on the pandemic. So we know that uh, Magafuli is not one of those type of presidents who is a yes man. He's a a thinking, a a critical thinker uh, when it comes to uh, the country of Tanzania and not only his health, but also his business deals. We know he recently rejected a $10 billion port deal from the Chinese. But one of the things that has impressed me the most throughout this pandemic is how African countries have been working together. We know that in Madagascar, they released uh, a cure, what they call a cure for COVID-19 called COVID Organics, which is a um, tonic that's based off of a 400-year-old African herb. And you've had several countries in Africa who have started to import COVID Organics and who are making orders for this tonic to be shipped to their country. So we always talk about African people stepping up and doing things for ourselves or doing for yourself as Garvey would say well here's a clear example of that where you have Africans who are not only creating um, the cure but now Madagascar has also created an economy around providing help by sending this to other African countries and in spite of this in spite well, while this is happening in spite of the World Health Organization issuing a warning to Madagascar to stop the sale of this particular product. So they don't even want you to create your own cure. They want these countries to wait on drug treatment or vaccine that are more than likely coming from a Western country like the United States and have that act as a cure. So this is really throwing a monkey wrench in the plans of people like Anthony Fauci, the World Health Organization, and the CDC, who are anticipating that their vaccine will be ready in the fall of this year for emergency responders and for the general public by next spring. So if this tonic created in Madagascar proves to be effective, which it has in Madagascar, they've cured people from this, then this could be a game changer, especially if other African countries are importing this in, it will more than likely lead to them rejecting any type of vaccine that will come from a Western country. So I think that's- We can definitely anticipate a response from the European, since this is not consistent with what Sister Ani described as the European Asili, Inherent is that in their DNA is to control everything. Brother Amos told us years ago that the European will never, 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 ever release us from his control, the exception being when he plans to kill us. So uh, we can anticipate a response. What type of response uh, has to be anticipated and there needs to be counteractive measures at this point uh, brother almost in light of um of what you're saying well yeah. you know the thing of it is is this i mean if 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 it's an effective treatment okay first of all they're doing all kinds of experimental treatments right they uh they're they're doing trials right now in the united states using uh, remdesivir which is a drug that was uh, invented to be a vaccine for Ebola. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of Africans were tested on numerous uh, Ebola vaccines. And some and some, some people have suffered tremendous uh, side effects and even death uh, from these uh, vaccines that, uh, that, they, that they tested on them to uh, try to stop Ebola. So remdesivir failed to stop Ebola, but now it's being used in several trials here in the United States. Uh, the, the same, the same uh, with the um, malaria medicine, uh, hydroxychloroquine. 
so so what so what's wrong with Africans developing their own and it's organic it's a it's a plant based uh, cure that has been effective uh, they've said uh, they've used it uh, not only for um, uh, malaria but also for the flu in madagascar but what they're saying is that two things they're saying that they fear that people will take this tonic and then they will feel that they are immune to covid19 which will lead to them possibly getting reaffected or spreading the virus the second thing is they didn't say this but i'm saying it is that they want to give people the vaccine, which is the ultimate goal, which they make more money. And then they also have the, the potential to kill African people. So if African people come out with their own organic treatment, then they lose money and they lose the potential to kill African people. So I think that's the primary reason why they don't want anybody producing anything that they can't control monetarily well the, here, here's the thing here's the thing uh, you know yeah that would be a double devastating loss for you know the, the, the bill gates of the world um uh, that would you know because they still continue to predict i just saw something the other day three hundred thousand africans are going to die and uh the last numbers i saw from african news which is keeping up with this daily was uh, there were fifty-seven thousand cases but over over half of the cases in Africa were in uh, either South Af South Africa, Egypt, Algeria, and Morocco. Those four countries had over half of the cases, half of the fifty-seven thousand cases. But if if this if this uh, if the COVID organics is effective is effective in treating in treating then this would be a tremendous uh you know boost uh for african uh you know for african for the revival you know for as uh, chancellor williams said the rebirth of african civilization so let's hope that these countries uh you know uh there were several uh, presidents on a on a conference call with the president of madagascar and, and including uh, the president of uh uh, uh, South Africa, uh, along with uh, Egypt, the DRC, Kenya, Rwanda, Niger, Chad, and uh, Mali. Uh, Guinea-Bissau has already uh, had some shipments shipped to them, and, and they're using it. John Magafuli was sending an airplane from Tanzania to pick it up. So, so what they'll be able to do, provided that they, but provided that it's not sabotaged, they'll be able to find out whether it works. Okay? They'll, and, and and so, you know, maybe maybe it works, maybe, maybe, maybe it doesn't work, but what's wrong with trying it to see? Because we've been used as guinea pigs, you know, by these doctors of death for hundreds of years. So I mean I think I think I think this is a great thing. I just hope that these uh, African countries, uh, you know, there's always going to be, you know, some Negroes in the crowd. Uh, the former Swaziland, East Swatini, or whatever they call themselves now, come they they don't want it because you know it hadn't been tested. Well, okay, you know, you you, you may wind up like the president of Brazil, uh, who uh, kicked the Cuban doctors out and then had to turn around and beg for them to come back. So you know, this this could be a, this could be a very, 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 very great thing for African people and uh let's I, I I just I hope it works. I hope it works. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I think overall as we run a long time, I would say that I feel the pandemic has been good for Africa in a sense that a lot of the European countries have closed their borders and it has forced African people to do for self and work with their surrounding countries. So Africa can potentially come out of this in a much better position mentally and strategically going forward, although we still have to deal with the bribery and the corruption. But mentally, 
now African people are, are being forced mentally and physically. They're being forced to work together and work um, with themselves for their own benefit. So this has been another edition of the African Liberation Media Podcast. You can always find our podcast on our website. Visit www.africaliberationmedia.com. And you can also check us out on social media on our Facebook and Instagram page. And you can listen to us. You can subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, BB Vaudier. BB Power or the lack of power? I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power? If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.